Welcome, everybody, to the podcast that has no name but soon will have a name. Castlevania Three: Dracula's Curse. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I, I think, vote for that. Please I vote leave. it up. I vote for Pikmin 5. I'm John, uh, over here on the arcade team, with an awesome set of co-hosts who you already know. I'm Eddie. I'm Howard. I'm Tim. And we're going to be talking about all things gaming and contagration in gaming and all the stuff that goes in that realm of existence, all right? All realms. All the realms of existence. Multiple planes. We're going to be talking about multi-plane the theory. alternate universe theory. The upside uh, down. Albert Einstein, the theory of volatility. Why Winona Ryder cries in every moment of Stranger mm-hmm. Things. It's all related to each other. It's yes. all related. It's like the six degrees of separation Kevin Bacon game. Multi-universe. Yeah. Can we just talk about Bacon for an hour? Actually, you know what? Let's talk about Bacon for a moment. What do you think about Bacon? I think it's fantastic. Yeah? It's very good for you. I oh, feel like wow, I okay. feel like you know game. Well, Tim's Grub, kicked out of arcade. I don't know. If game, I don't know <laughs> if game grub is still out. a thing, but I think if there was bacon flavored game grub, it probably would have done a lot better. No, okay. So here's a fun thing. So I I had a good exchange with game grub way back when when I was doing the mana potion drinks. They were like our we were sort of on the same shelf when we were in stores. You eat the game grub and then wash it down with the mana potion. Exactly. It's like a two two hit combo. Yeah, I think they had deals at Fry's Electronics where you could get both on sale or something. What I is don't game know. grub? Game, is it like Grubhub? No. Game Grub was a product that came inside a little thing, like a Capri Sun pouch. Okay. But it was little, like, pellets of food product. Oh, no. So it's easier to consume while you're eating. And they had pizza flavor and peanut butter and jelly wow. flavor. It's like space food. No, but I, I, I equate it more to, like, source. dry dog food for gamers, basically. <laughs> it's like, if your gamer was a pet, this is what you feed your gamer this to keep it you... going. Kind of. But I loved it because they all had, like, the product had terms like, you know, RPG peanut butter Ooh, adventure. Like, so they, clever. Very yeah. Clever. That wasn't the name of it at all. But it had, the, like, clever gamer names like that. And I, I think that actually, I want to ask you guys a question. How do you feel when a product comes onto market and they're like, hey, this is for gamers. You want to like, buy it because it's gamers, clearly right? Clearly pandering to yeah. yeah. I like I, I like the really bad commercial attempts. Like the there was that Hot Pockets like VR commercial that was going on that was like. How did I miss this? This I don't Did know, you put like the two, Hot Pocket against your no, face was, and look into the for, volcano? It was for like the little like the, the bite-sized <laughs> Hot Pockets. And like it was like a bunch of guys playing a game like all VR or whatever, and then if I remember correctly, one of the guys like steps out of the VR space to go eat his hot pockets, and all the rest of the guys on the team die. And I'm just thinking like, in what oh, world does I that actually? Like, you have to like VR equipment. You have to like take off and do all of this stuff to go, you know, do other things. Like it's so just. <laughs> Which I'll show you at some point. We did get a VR uh, headset that we were testing here in the office, and it took us about four and a half hours to set up. No, four and a half hours over the course of like. Like three days, four and a half hours each time. Yeah. Okay, so collectively about half of a full day to set this thing up. Once you get into it, you're very disconnected. You know, if you were to try to reach for a Hot Pocket, it just, it gets messy pretty quick. So, you know, I love Hot Pockets personally. I like to enjoy them and eat no, them I mean, in it's, high quantities I'm, during I'm a gaming cool session. I just think the commercials are hilarious. I also love the commercials for like... Uh, like Westwood College and stuff, where it's like, oh man, be a game designer. Hey, how are you guys doing on that game? I'm just tightening up the graphics on level three real quick. We'll be done pretty soon. And it's like this total like pipe dream idea of what it's like to work in the gaming industry. So Eddie, <laughs> what is it like to actually be in the games industry? Soul crushing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, like the, the cleaning up a process. Like I talked to a few of my friends who were over at the game companies and just... 
A singular asset, once you place it into the game, then has its render time of about 12 to 16 hours to then have it go across the servers, and then at that point it has to sync up with everything else, and at that point a bug could occur, and then that goes to the testers, and they're just like, wait, why is this bug occurring? Then it kicks back. Yeah. It's not a fun process similar I mean, like, to most if, jobs. If you're, if you're in the creative level of it, it's great, because it's like you get to design all these elements and kind of like oversee the grand scope of the game, and if the game is popular, then it's like even cooler, and if the game isn't so popular, then it's kind of like not that great, because then everyone on the internet you know makes you feel terrible about yourself um game testing is grueling some people really enjoy it they love the monotony but game testing is grueling like i don't want to talk anybody out of working in no, the games no, no, no. industry we're, we're not it's saying that like... but that is why we're on the other side of it once the game has been finished we get to play we'll and play enjoy it. it while we eat our hot pockets we even play the unfinished games yeah we play lots of unfinished games such as no man's sky yeah our favorite game or to talk about. pokemon go yay which we're going to talk about pokemon go here in a little bit so let's get it off with there's consoles Consoles, consoles, consoles all on the, the consoles. market. All consoles the consoles for your consoles. The consoles for the consoles. I heard you like consoles in your console, so I put a console in your console console. So we're looking at the dirty. marketplace. It sounds very dirty now that I'm reflecting on what I just said. <laughs> uh, so they just announced the PlayStation 4 Pro. And yeah. soon, I mean, Microsoft kind of took some jabs after that fact. Eventually, we'll hear what Project Scorpio is. We really don't know what it is yet. And then eventually, we're we'll hearing about the NX. So let's talk about all three of them, starting with the PlayStation 4 Pro. Eddie, you were talking about this recently uh, to me in the office. What is it? Should I buy it? I have my credit card ready. I, You know, it's an incremental upgrade. I think that, like, the PlayStation 4 Pro, definitely not for everybody, but I think that in... A roundabout way, it's a better job from like a PR standpoint than like the Xbox One Scorpio thing that's going on. I mean, at the end of the day, all of this stuff screams like Sega Genesis CD 32X uh, project, like Neptune expansion cart, like kind so, of stuff. So, is it, is it it's is it an expansion card for PlayStation essentially, it's, or it, is it? I mean, it adds functionality. That's like that's really what it is. It's adding 4K functionality for for gamers. You can play Imagine. games in 4K. Theoretically, 60 FPS. Although, like, we haven't really seen anything like super real time yet. But I heard it was 30. Like, I, I feel like there's like still stages. Like, it's not actual 4K. Well, the, the like, whole point of yeah. it is, yeah. I mean, the whole point of it is to get to the point where we're doing everything 4K, 60 FPS. So the difference between what Sony's doing is instead of releasing like what is essentially going to make your existing PS4 obsolete, they're giving you the option if you're one of those people that's like, yo, I'm super into this 4K stuff. I dropped all this money on a new TV. I want all this all this extra functionality on my system. You can go ahead and buy it. But if you have a regular PS4, you can still enjoy the games. You're really not missing out on anything. H, uh, HDR is still going to exist on the regular PlayStation 4, so you're not missing out on that at all. So like, it's, it's just... For people who really want the the 4K thing, whereas on on Microsoft side with Scorpio, they're touting Scorpio as being like the most powerful console. So it might Scorpio might as well just be the next Xbox, based on well, what they said about. That's what it seems to be. Now, from a streaming perspective, from a capture perspective, maybe this is more for Howard because you deal a lot with graphics and video size and all these things. Does 4K matter on YouTube? Right now, probably not. Um, I don't think you can even stream 4K on YouTube or Twitch. And most games are not available in 4K. And if they are available in 4K, the frames per second is probably like 7. And most people don't have 4K monitors or displays. So I have a PlayStation 4, and not once during that keynote, which was very weird and boring, but not once did I say I have to whip out my credit card and update. 
upgrade mm. because there's just no content. So there's no content in 4K. Well, we have no. I real, mean, there's I, some I mean, content. I, I I argue against that because only for this the point that in that that press conference that they had, they were talking about how like companies are working on building out upgrades for existing games, and like I, I think it's one of those things where they're just trying to get it out there because there's a demand for it. And the content will come. And if you're the type of person that's like super sold on 4K, like I'm a big movie guy myself. I bought into Blu-ray like really early on. I love like high definition video, but I'm not even sold on 4K like movies yet. In regards mm. to, like the displays aren't 100% there. There's no standard to it. Like there's a lot of reasons why jumping into 4K just isn't something that most people should be doing right now. Mm. But if you're one of those people that's like a total like tech head has to have everything like brand new, then like sure, this is something that's going to appeal to you and I can understand why they do it. I just don't think that like I don't think that it's going to exist for people like it, it's not coming out to convince people to replace their existing ps4s with this new piece of technology and, and i don't think that's what they're going for whereas with microsoft and the, the whole scorpio thing like scorpio is a it's not coming out until much later so there's going to be a lot of time for them to work on it and build it out but there's talk and rumors about making it a console that you can swap parts out of so it's basically a pc at that point it's going to have a more powerful processor it's going to have 4k and all this other stuff so Scorpio, I feel like, is more of an actual replacement, whereas the PS4 Pro is specifically for those people that are, like, discerning one, that really, like, powerful, like, you know, new technology aspect to it's their It's kind gaming. of like the I, new iPhone 7. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. yeah. In a roundabout like way. The same, but a little exactly bit. Exactly the same. Well, that was, that was the 6S. That was the 6S <laughs> uh, campaign. Thank God they didn't stick to it again this time around. But, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. Technology is kind of getting in this point where there's, like, it, it moves so rapidly that they have to stagnate to keep people interested in the products yeah. that are coming out. And, like, I don't know, it's it's kind of frustrating. I almost feel like it, we've almost hit a wall. Because you look at all the different cell phones that are out there and even the consoles, and, it's you know, it's a lot of the same stuff. They all upgrade the processor a little bit. They put better cameras. They do a little bit better things here and there and then it's like there's nothing revolutionary yeah, it's, it's all software yeah. at this point and then I mean, nintendo on the other end is claiming that they're going to come up with something revolutionary that's going to change the way people play video well, games they, they do every time if i look at the history of like nintendo they well they were the first one they were going to be the sony playstation before it became the sony mm -hmm. playstation mm -hmm. they were going the disc route they were uh the wiimote i thought was a fantastic new way to be looking at it. and eventually they transitioned to the move and eventually mm -hmm. transitioned to the connect and all the other types of tracking systems of course if i'm playing zelda i don't want to be waving my hand around hitting my cat so it just it didn't really appeal to me but it was definitely a movement in the right direction well and even on the wii u i mean granted they didn't really go as far with it as they could have uh and part, part of that's because the market just isn't there for it but having the controller with the screen on it opened up the doors to a lot of a really interesting gameplay styles like star the most recent star fox game which some people really just aren't into like, i thought that was kind of cool having like you know, the TV be your view, like, of the whole grand space of everything, like, outside of the ship. And then if you're playing with the controller, that's where you get more dialed in. And it's like a cockpit-type view. I thought that was, like, a really interesting kind of way to play a game. Um, and Nintendo tends to be a little bit more, uh, I guess, I don't want to say innovative, because that's not necessarily the right term for everything that they do. But, like, they try things out. They, they take more risks with everything. And I, I 
give them a little bit of credit in that. And I think that's why they're never really going to go away, so to speak. They've got their killer game properties, and then, you know, they try new things, and people are usually willing to bite, at least enough to make the systems worth making. I do think a little bit Nintendo has been a little bit closed-minded over the last few years. What? I know they You I, insult Nintendo so No, I'm, in, I'm, I'm <laughs> speaking poorly about <laughs> Nintendo. You know, they definitely try things, like the, the Wii and all that stuff, but there's so many opportunities that they've completely passed up on, actually until recently. Um, you know, mobile games, for example. Mm-hmm. We spoke a little bit about that earlier. Not here, but before this podcast. Yeah. Um, they they appeared on stage at the iPhone event, which was mm-hmm. blew my mind, because I never thought I'd see the day that mm-hmm. Super Mario comes to the iPhone. Yeah. But it seems they're opening up a little bit, and well, there's a they, huge opportunity to make a lot of money very easily well, on the iPhone. They announced things last year. They have a partnership with, I believe it's Gree. Uh, it's one of the Japanese developers, mm-hmm. but they have a partnership with one of them to do uh, mobile games. This is where Mitomo came from. Well, They're working Mitomo on a Animal Crossing game. They're working on a Fire Emblem mm-hmm. game. Uh, mm. I mean, see, here's the thing: is I, you know, and I think we talked about this the other day. But you, I feel like you're like, why don't they make virtual console games available on the iPhone? And yeah, why not? Like that? Because it's a bad business move. It doesn't make any sense because that's something that they can use to drive people to go to their consoles. Okay, so I can see that being as like, no, okay, no, no, they no. want to keep their proprietary, their properties that are tied to their systems, kept to their systems. They want to expand these new things. Now, where I see this winning for Nintendo, you know, the NX is leaning towards this mobile marketplace. But if I look at, let's, let's look at the Wii U as an example. So I'm playing a game on my console, on my television. I'm looking at, let's just say, uh, something aside from Super Mario Makers that really utilize the second screen. Let's say, uh, let's just say, please, uh, playing Super Mario Brothers. Now, I want to beat the level that I'm uh, that I'm currently on, and that second screen could be an opportunity for me to find a walkthrough or something like that. Now, I use my phone for that type of experience. So, if I'm looking more at, okay, if there's a console or something that's playing on my TV screen, and my phone is now my second screen. Those are interesting ways to play games. You know, most recently I'm playing World of Warcraft, and they have a companion app for the latest expansion, Legion. So while I'm at work, shh, don't tell anybody, I'm on also my WoW Legion companion app on mm-hmm. my phone. So I'm still playing WoW while away from the machine. And it also is just like, okay, you have a new quest here. You could do this. You could be participating in these things. So I feel like gaming companies could win if they expand their properties to second screen experiences on your mobile devices, whether Android or iPhone. The thing is, is I think a lot of these companies need to figure out how to do it effectively because it's not like Nintendo's the first company to do it or the only company to do it because Microsoft had the the, the Glass app. app. They had the Glass app. And uh, Sony's got like a PlayStation app. It's not really a companion app, so to speak, but I mean, it's something that ties into the system. So it's not like Nintendo's the only company that does it, but they've put a lot more effort into it than other companies have. But I think like the the mobile gaming market, it's taken over because it's so convenient. It's easy to just pick up your phone and play a game, download a game for a couple of bucks and play it. But the thing is is like you know, part of the part of the reason why I think the emulation thing is a terrible idea is because playing emulators and games in general on a touch screen as the controls is not an enjoyable experience. Nintendo is extremely concerned with how their games, how the experience of their games works, How's, how how you interface with them, how the controllers play into them. Uh, they, they think about all that kind of stuff. So I think that the emulator thing in that sense is terrible. But then on top of that too, like I can understand them wanting to focus on making games specifically for these platforms to play up on the strengths and play up on the technology and do things that are more 
more interesting with them to get people interested in using them as opposed to just like, hey man, here's Super Mario World on your iPhone. I'm, it's like the 40,000th platform you've been able to download this game on and you know, hey, I have fun. Here's well, the thing you've played a million times. This, this made me think about this, and I, I rarely even like put two, uh, was that two thoughts towards when they tell me this, but like for Nintendo content. So let's say you're capturing Nintendo content, like Nintendo proprietary content for YouTube or anything like that. Based on their terms of service, let's say you're playing a 3DS, you should be showcasing the entire 3DS on your screen per their terms of service. You have to show the buttons, you have to show mm. the full system in order for it to be compliant because there are issues with emulation. Uh, for, like when you go to trade shows, if I'm playing, let's just say the latest uh, the Zelda that they're currently preparing to release next year, you have to showcase the controller in your shot being interacted with. Like they're very much about what is the hardware experience tied to the game experience and showcasing that properly. So them having control over it might be solely what they're doing, and that's why we're not seeing Mario or Metroid or anything else being pivoted to these mobile devices. Yeah. And, I, and me personally, I just, I, I'm cool. Just Now we got more virtual console games coming out on the 3DS. New 3DS is out. We finally got Super Nintendo games. When are we going to get Game Boy Advance games? That would be great. But like, I'm okay with them just being on the consoles because I feel like the experience is better on them than it would be on like a phone. Uh, it might be, but I would, I would in an instant spend five or ten dollars to get the original Pokemon on my phone or Super Mario. Do you think it, it would be, be five to ten dollars? Because like, I look at Square Enix and those are like twenty dollars no, adventures it, it, for it Final be, Fantasy. It, they would be the yeah. same cost as they are on the console, which is I think ten dollars or nine. Yeah, it's, it depends on the console that they're emulating and what the game yeah. is. Some of them are more expensive than others. And in my mind, you know, my argument, and I totally understand the whole console versus controller, and you know, working hand in hand. Um, but I look at it from a marketing standpoint. You have several million iPhones out there. You just certainly don't have that many 3DSs out there. And if you can put Pokemon on, on a good percentage of those games, the original Pokemon, and then use that to drive people to the 3DS to play the new stuff. But it, but it doesn't work like that, though. But it can. It, it doesn't. Pokemon Go isn't driving that many people to play Because they're not doing Sun it right. Moon. No, it's because There's no that's, marketing not, the, that's the not the focus. Even if they did it with the original games on the phone, people would play the original games because of the nostalgia factor. Mm -hmm. General people will play it because of the nostalgia factor, which is the same reason people started playing Pokemon Go, and they're not going to move any further past that. They're not going to be like, oh man, I love Pokemon so much, I'm going to go buy this $200 piece of hardware and spend another $50 on a copy of the new Pokemon game because I love playing Pokemon Red on my phone so much. There's got to be more compelling reasons. I can reasons see people doing that. I, 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 I'm guilty of that with Earthbound. I will admit, I bought the new I've Nintendo 3DS yeah, so player. There's, there's got to be... You may have done it, but for the general populace, like there's <laughs> got to be a more those yeah, who are absolutely insane. There, there's like, got to be a more crazy people. There's yeah. got to be a more compelling reason to it, it's, and it's the same argument as like the whole PlayStation 4 Pro thing. Is there's got to be a compelling reason to do it? If you're not the market for that kind of thing, you're not going to buy into it regardless. You know, like having them on the phone is literally just like, hey, let's make an extra five bucks off of a million people who have an iPhone. Like that's literally what it is. I'm not saying that's, that's a lot of money. bad business. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that that's like terrible business, but I think that, you know, keeping it exclusive to the systems the way that they have is more compelling because that adds more value to those consoles. And Nintendo makes more money on keeping their experiences on their consoles. Mm. It's possible. Well, coming from a bad gamer, I am definitely more likely to go buy like an actual Pokemon game because of Pokemon Go. So you're more likely to go to a game store, purchase a console, purchase yeah. the game because you want to play. Because Pokemon Go is like, that was fun. I could like get into this. Ooh, but you hit a key term there. 
was. Ooh. <laughs> and why is yep. that? Why is it no longer fun? I don't know. I stopped playing it. Because everyone else did. Yeah, so we're about, like, what, a month out from the last yeah. time we talked about Pokemon Go? And we were all about it. We're like, but, yeah, we're but we, did, did. we did talk about drop-off, though. I know that yeah. there was definitely I also a did, like, about this. log in, like, the other day and, you know, evolved yeah, but, a few Pokemon and, like, hung out for, like, a minute. Like, daily and then that was anymore. it. Right. You know, because no, there's no incentive. I mean, we have the buddy system now, which is great, and your little Pikachu can walk around with you, but there's nothing, like, there's no, like, daily quest, like in World of Warcraft. You can do right. world quests or daily yeah. quests or whatever. There needs to be that in like how long can well, you walk around? five Pidgeys or something. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is aside from that, and, then, you know, they said that eventually they're going to be rolling out things where Pokestops have more functionality, and there's going to be trading, and there's going to be battling, and this, and this, and this, and that's great. Like, eventuallys are good and everything like that, but I think really where they messed up and I've, I've thought this since the first day is that they made everything available to everybody no matter where you lived yeah there was no like aside from like a handful of pokemon there's no region exclusivity uh-huh. there's no like like i can catch a magikarp at the park right next to our office because there's a pond there <laughs> just because there's a pond there yeah like i think it's more reasonable to like have certain things be only available in areas where it makes sense. I mean, I caught like a, a Charmeleon over at the park there once. I caught a Porygon in the middle of San Diego during Comic-Con. Like it's these places that I don't think like make a whole ton of sense for them to pop up because things just kind of pop up as they pop up. It's all random, random chance and random occurrence. And even the nests, these, uh, it was discovered that the way that the Pokemon nests work is that they cycle. There's a, a certain... Uh, amount of different Pokemon that can have a nest and then the nest cycle and it doesn't play into where the nest is located. It's just like eventually it's going to be a nest for each of these different type of Pokemon mm. that is capable of having a nest. Like it, it's things like that, that that I feel like take the exploring aspect of Pokemon, what I thought was always so fun about it, out of the game. Mm. You know? uh, well, it took the fun out of the game for me is all the movement, because I was describing, you know, playing with the Wii. I'm not a very active person. Thankfully, I'm tiny. Probably all <laughs> the junk food I'm eating is going straight to my arteries. But, you know, what took it out is just like, okay, well, now I have the buddy system in the game. Awesome. Great. I can travel with Pikachu. I can go on those adventures just like I saw in television. So let's say I want to get him to a Raichu. Okay, all right. If I want to get him there, it's going to take 50 kilometers of walking to upgrade as the buddy. That's up and down the length of Manhattan, as was reported by Katagum. Just like, ooh, okay, that's not cool. Uh, for Charmander to Charizard, you want to do that full evolution? 375 kilometers you got to walk. That's the width of Italy. Yeah, and okay. as it is, walking 10 kilometers to hatch an egg already seems like a daunting task for most people. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, the GPS system's kind of bugged. So yeah. it's, you know, take that 300 kilometers and probably add a few hundred to that and you might have a Charizard. And I, I, might. I, I still see Maybe. potential for the game, but I think, like, what's really going to have to happen is they need to focus on getting these features together, work all the kinks out, and then when the next batch of Pokemon come out, when they release the gold and silver Pokemon, they need to have, like, region exclusivity or some some sort of reasonable challenge to catching everything to keep people involved. I mean, the first guy to catch everything caught all 150 Pokemon that are available, well, not 150, but everything that's available from the first 151 in a matter of weeks. Like, you know, at that point, what is... What is the incentive to keep playing? Because there's not battling and trading and stuff. Uh-huh. And again, it's coming eventually. But by that time, how many people are still going to be playing the game? How active is it going Four. to be? Four. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Right. And this this is actually leading into another thought that I had was, you know, uh, content that continues to be delayed. How long can you continue to delay content and keep interest? So, like, Pokemon Go is just like, okay, I'm ready for battling. You know, taking those walks out there, I'm like, man, all right, I see Howard out by the pond. I want to battle him with that Pidgey that I just picked up because that's the best choice for battling. Uh, Clearly. That content, Clearly. that content, uh, was it, what would that be? Just, uh, the, like, aspect of the content isn't available. And so I'm looking at that as just like, okay, well, now I no longer have interest because it's not fulfilling what I want. If I'm looking at content that is yet to be released or continually delayed, I know, uh, you know, Eddie, you have a few games that you've been waiting on forever. Uh, I think Glass Guardian's one of them. <laughs> and you continue to mention it, but it keeps getting pushed out. Like, how long can I maintain interest well, in something? People waited for out? 10 years for Duke Nukem Forever. Huh. And we've been they waiting. waited forever. And yeah. we're, sti we're <laughs> still waiting for Half-Life 3, which I'm convinced is never going to happen. Well, well let's, let's be fair. Half-Life 3 is not a game. It's the experience of waiting for Half-Life 3. Let, let's be fair for a second. <laughs> they've, they never really confirmed Half-Life 3. Uh, they, they've the alluded signs. enough to it. I mean, they've alluded enough to it. And, like, people will ask them about it, and then they'll be really coy. I mean, like, they may not have explicitly been like, oh, man, Half-Life 3, it's totally coming, you guys. Just just wait. It's, it's not like a George R.R. R. Martin situation <laughs> with the dragons. But, like... They've definitely alluded to it being a thing that's going to happen down the line. Um, and then, like, Last Guardian has been in development for, like, it's got 10 years now. I mean, it started, they, they announced it back with the PS3. Uh, and so there's certain things, I think, like, where it can be expected that there's going to be a delay. And at that point, it's like, all right, well, I can, I can wait. Zelda? I knew Zelda was going to be delayed. I knew it was coming out on the NX. Everybody who got upset when the new Zelda game was delayed has clearly not been paying attention to every single Zelda game that has come out in the past yeah. like decade. Um, so that one didn't surprise me. Last Guardian, like at E3 when they were getting ready to announce the uh, the release date, I made the joke to a bunch of friends. Last Guardian announced to be delayed for another 10 years because I don't expect that game to be done right away. And when they announced the delay to, I think, December now, mm -hmm. the other day, I wasn't surprised. And December is reasonable. At least I'll still get to play it sometime. But how in my long lifetime. is too long to keep your interest? Like Cuphead. I've been seeing Cuphead so many times at conventions. I was really excited about this game because it looks like, you know, the nostalgic cartoons, early Disney, etc. Just like, it looks like that. I want that type of game experience. Mm -hmm. But now that it's just like, there's still no release date. I've played the demo multiple times over the past several years. It's There's no sign of it on the horizon. I'm losing interest in Cuphead. I'm just like, okay, I don't want to see anymore until this thing comes out. And if I was a content creator talking about it, let's say I launch a channel getting ready for the new Zelda. Hmm. Hey guys, new content out today, new announcement about Zelda. We wait six months. Strike that previous comment that I had about there. Here's the next update. When it keeps getting delayed, how long can you maintain an audience caring at that point, it's just like, if you're losing interest, how long can you maintain an audience caring? Well, I think the thing with it is, is that unless there's constant news coming out, people... It's not about losing interest in the game, right? Because I think, like, when it, it's all said and done, if something's, like, anticipated... Uh, you know, Last Guardian was delayed for, like, literally 10 years. There was a long period of time where people thought it was even canceled. No one was really talking about it. Periodically, you'd see in the news, like, what's going on with Last Guardian? And that's when it would pop back up in the consciousness. 
Uh, but the thing is, is like even with that, people would kind of drop off and not really talk about it. But then as soon as more news came out, they got excited again. And I think that that realistically is all it takes for like a big budget game. When we're talking about content for like Pokemon Go. Like that's a little bit different of a scenario because Pokemon Go was launched as this thing that wasn't really complete to begin with. They made all these promises about the type of stuff you'd be able to do in the game. And as it is, they spent most of the time for the first several months just trying to get the game to work. So the longer we have to wait for this additional content, and if it does keep like being delayed or they just choose not to acknowledge it or whatever the case may be, I think people are going to lose interest and they're not going to come back to the game when that stuff is available. Mm. Especially because like the battling aspect I think is probably one of the more popular things that's coming to the game. And we don't really even have a strong comprehension of how like training is really going to work. And, and you know we have a little bit of experience from going to gyms but even that's like very hands off. So what is the battling experience going to be like? Mm. And, and that's that's a huge thing. I think like if they do it the wrong way or if they make it too simplistic, you're gonna lose a lot of interest that way. People aren't gonna come back to it. Because now it's based on anticipation. I mean, Howard, what do you think? Like when it comes to getting ex you excited about a game, let's say that game doesn't get released for another year. Mm -hmm. And then you get to that year point and they're like, oh, it's another three years before. Well, like, I mean, I mean, it's, it's kind of like No Man's Sky, right? Yeah. It was, it was announced 8,000 years ago, and it was delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. And then it was released. I was super excited about it. I played it, and then I, I realized, well, maybe it shouldn't have been released because there, was, there were missing a lot of features that were promised, and it was buggy and this, that, and the other thing. I've always loved the way Blizzard handles their game releases. They announce a game. They show off some features. They release into beta, but they don't really give a date. They just say, when it's ready, we'll release it. And, you know, they roll out the beta to a lot of people so they can play it. And we can watch streamers play it. But, for, I don't know. What do you I think, Tim? Mm. Blizzard also just doesn't release games very often. Video games. Good. That's good. <laughs> I, I, imagine, I just want to do a deep I, moment I imagine by himself in the for, corner. I, I imagine I that for Tim. Hot pocket, too. Hot pocket? Yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine waiting like Tim waiting for games is very similar to like Tim waiting for the tide to come in. You know, it is much like that. Um, I, yeah, I don't know what I think about waiting for games. I just play games that like seem like they would be interesting to me. Or Has there been a game that you've seen being presented or seen news about that you're just like super excited for, and then it just gets delayed, and then your dreams get crushed? Um, hmm, not really. No. So that's a good thing. I think I play just very mainstream games, though, that are like, yeah, but that's you fun. know, and, like clearly And I think that that's finished. like a lot of people, really, Like the too. Arkham games or the yeah. Uncharted, you know, like those ones are clearly very polished, very finished products when they are released. Honestly, Overwatch is probably the most, not unfinished, but it's like very alive. Like it, okay. you log in and it's like the updates have... Oh, it's the Olympics now, and it's like, oh, yeah. you know, like, and for me, the games I played, that is probably the most interesting part about Overwatch, is that it's like, it feels alive, you know, like, it feels like I'm going to log in and there's going to be something current tied in with it, or a new character, or a new map, or whatever, that's like, oh shit, this is really cool. Well, just that, like, that's... I would prefer experiences like that, knowing that updates are occurring rapidly. Yeah. Like, when I feel it, I feel that with Overwatch, just like you. Uh, I mean, that's what attracted me to MMOs. It's just like, I hop into World of Warcraft. Right. Oh, there's a new event running. Oh, there's a demon hanging out here. Why is he hanging out over here? You know, there's always, you know, something new and fresh happening. When a game 
I guess, steps away from that. And, and it's not an obligation of any com- of every company by any means. But, like, I feel about, like, Pokemon Go, they didn't talk to us for, like, right. a month mm-hmm. when they launched the game. Oh, we're having issues with the servers. Oh, this isn't working. Oh, this. <laughs> no Man's Sky silent. is doing the no same Man's thing. Sky. Right? How I, long t- has I been? tweeted the other day. It yeah. was, and this was maybe about a week ago, it was officially 20-some-odd days since they last tweeted anything. Um, and so, so now it's probably like twenty-five or thirty days since they even said a word, right. which is really weird. Right. And so, and apparently they hired a PR team and a QA team. So, did they all explode or something? Did they all get Galaxy Note sevens? There's, there's somewhere, <laughs> yeah, there's somewhere over in, in some unknown uh, galaxy right now. Mike dropped by Howard over there. Uh, very proud of that. No, one. very proud of that. But it's just like, do you feel? And we'll go around the table on this. Do you feel companies have an obligation? Gaming companies rather have an obligation to consistently make their content feel alive once released. Uh, I feel like it's becoming more important. Just because that's like, I feel like that's becoming more of a standard. And it should be. Should it be a communication happening directly between the company and the consumer? Like, that's the thing I'm yes. trying to think about, just like, yes. Yeah. So, like, you believe, yeah, because that's why, like, you were talking about No Man's Sky. Yeah, I believe yeah. it's it's necessary, like Tim said. Um, is it an obligation? You know, I mean, it depends on what was promised, right? Right. If yeah. it was promised that it's it's a game that you play through for 200 hours and then that's it, there's no, like, end game experience, then no, they're not obliged to do that. But if it is, like, a World of Warcraft type of thing where you're paying a monthly fee, especially when you're paying a monthly mm-hmm. fee, you expect something consistently. Um, or like Pokemon Go where they've spoken about features, you expect those to come out at some point, right? So I think it, it depends on the situation, but it's definitely, I think, something that needs to happen if they want to keep people coming back. I, what do you think, Ed? I think that as opposed to the whole, like, having new features constantly being released or whatever the case may be, these companies need to do a better job of setting proper expectations leading up to the release of the game. Yeah. Too many companies nowadays, I mean, just across the board, everybody does this and every AAA title has this problem, promise too much and deliver too little and then when the game comes out, it's a series of updates or it's DLC that you need to buy or it's this or it's that. And like, you know, it never used to be like that. We never had that problem before. Uh, you know, the internet became like, I would honestly say before this last generation where updates and like, you know, internet connectivity became such a significant part of the game. Mm-hmm. I think, again, like uh, Howard said, though, when it comes down to an obligation, I don't think that there's an obligation to constantly release new stuff. Like, I was really pleased that like Splatoon, which is a game that mm-hmm. nobody really expected to be such a huge thing, had so many updates mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. so long. And like it was really constant and it made the game feel fresh and they were doing things to keep people engaged. That was awesome. Mario Maker had the same thing and it still continues to have kind of the same thing. And those are games that like literally they could have just released what they had done. Nobody expected anything additional from it. And yet they went above and beyond about it. I think that it's cool when companies do it, but I think that as long as the expectations are set, no one has any obligation to actually you know, behave that way. Yeah, I think these days that where game development is for the, you know, relatively speaking, so easy and so rampant, everyone's creating a space game, right? So, of course, no, I, we keep screaming at No Man's Sky, but, you know... It's, it's the most be, recent game, yeah. so it makes sense. It's easy to scream at. It's pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> they have to come out and they have to 
overpromise because that's what's going to get people interested. They're going to promise this procedurally generated universe and they're going to promise everything and everything and everything. And then they actually get into development and testing, which by the way, they don't really have a QA team, which was part of the problem, but whatever. Um, then they realize that there's bugs. So they have to take one feature out. Then that feature that took out affects another feature. They take that out. And there's no communication because they have no PR team. Then they release a game that's half-baked. So mm -hmm. it's weird. I mean, if they have to remove stuff, though, like literally that's what press releases are for or interviews right. throughout they have the to course of development and stuff. And that, that's the thing is they just need to – yeah, communication is the key thing. I think if you set the expectations properly and you don't – I mean, like how many times has that game been shown? And, it, and what was really, really terrible is that even just weeks before the release – uh, Sean Murray was giving interviews and demoing the game with features that he knew were not going to be in the game. Yeah, which is yeah. so bad. You don't do That's that. That's rough. Uh, well, I mean, sorry, No Man's Sky. Yeah, no, seriously, uh, <laughs> No Man's Sky is going to take a lot of heat from this thing. Um, well, that's, it's, I mean, heck of a conversation around this type of thing. And that's like, that's, the more I'm leaning into gaming sphere in general, I believe companies, now that we're in a social media age, now that we're in a, everybody has access to everything stage, have some, mm -hmm. some sort of obligation to connect with their audience. Uh, it could be through mm -hmm. various forms. It could be through ambassadors, much like yourselves who are listening. It could be through uh, direct communications via social media, Twitter, Facebook, it could be whatever the it is. Sonic the Hedgehog Twitter account. Oh, man, which is the best Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually kind of disappointed they did an expose of the guy who runs it the other uh, they've, day. They've had multiple of them, I think. Uh, the one that wow. It kind of takes that mystery away. Yeah, yeah, well, that's why I avoid reading those articles like it could on be the actually Sonic the Hedgehog running it. Yeah, well, I like. He doesn't talk that. enough about chili dogs for it to actually be Sonic the Chili Hedgehog. dogs and giving <laughs> advice on life. Mm. Uh, so we actually um, move into the section where we get to answer your uh, guys' questions. I have to paraphrase this a bit because it was a pretty heated one. Uh, where a uh, one of you wrote in, uh, essentially describing the fact, uh, I'll summarize it here, um, that essentially this, this individual has been uploading a lot of the content, I won't name what game they were playing, uh, and then they recently got hit with a slew of content ID claims against that content. And the question essentially came like, I've been doing this forever, my audience has been watching me playing this game, I'm not happy because I can't monetize anymore. Should I give up? Should I switch? What should I do? So have you encountered any of these issues where you've had a content ID claim on your content? Uh, and what would you advise a person who's in this scenario? Just give up, for sure. Wow, Tim. Thanks. <laughs> that is not the advice. Well, now we have a very clear idea of how Tim ended up where he did. At the beach. <laughs> Gave up. Yeah. <laughs> he kept playing Shower With Your Dad Simulator. Exactly. And, and then no, that would up. get him so far in life, though. Like, clearly, I think it's like he got... He, he, he picked the wrong dad once and just immediately felt like a failure. Exactly. Just like a, you know. Gave up. Moving to the beach. Exactly. Uh, um... This is a weird question. Yeah, I mean, yes, I've, I've been hit with claims before. Actually, one of the claims I was hit with was on Rocket League because apparently that the soundtracks, Rocket League doesn't really have permission. Even though they allow people to stream and upload content, you can't stream with... At least this was the case when I spoke to them. Uh, they didn't allow the music to be played in the background because they didn't have the rights well, it's, to extend it's... to... It's a licensing thing with music, right. with music especially. Like that's a really tricky one. A lot of people don't really understand how that works. But mm -hmm. with music licensing, there are so many different types of licenses out there, yep. and the type that you need for video content is a sync license. And sync licenses require everybody who was involved in the creation of that song to approve the content and write off on the use of that content in whatever video it is. And then you see that a lot. Like I, I know this from experience with music games where. 
like you want to license a song and it had six different producers and two vocalists and uh, somebody who played keyboards on it and every single one of them has a slice of the publishing. Every single one of those people need to be contacted and they have to sign off on the use of that song in whatever that content so is. This might be yeah. like why like on the title screen of Rocket League, for example, they use music mm -hmm. on NBA Live, on um, let's say, for example, oh, Grand Theft Auto has full radio channels yeah. with a, you know, yeah. uh, songs and... One way to look at it is like they they gave the game permission to include this. Yeah. In. However, yep. they didn't give you as a content creator permission to then yeah. create more content to be uploaded. Which brings up my point times. that yeah. I was yeah. yeah. Which brings up my point that I was eventually going to get at some yeah. at some point um, is when your games are tricky because there's so many different pieces to the puzzle that you really have to look at and people don't think about. And I think the one suggestion I can give if you're worried about copyright claims and everyone's worried about copyright claims is that you need written, and this kind of applies to all content you upload. If it's not yours, you need written permission. So contact the developer, ask them if you can upload and monetize, very important to stress monetize, um, the content and all pieces to that content that are part of it. And if you have that written permission, then if you do get a claim, you can easily counter it and not really mm -hmm. worry about things. Yeah, and those details can also be found oftentimes in end user license agreements on the websites. Yep. I know Microsoft lists theirs for all of their owned and operated properties. Um, I know Minecraft Mojang actually put up their updated terms of service for people who play Minecraft and what that means for uh, monetizing your content in Minecraft and on YouTube. So. Our advice across the board is if you are worried about that, seek out the permission directly from the holders of the copyright. You know, fair, fair use is used a lot in the space. Um, use it wisely, especially in the case of your own content, the business you're building, and make sure in most cases to obtain written permission. Another thing to mention too is there are a lot of lists out there, especially in the gaming space, of companies that have not have been known to not claim and companies that have been known to claim. And the thing is is that without permission from the company, like written written permission can kind of be a fail-safe in a roundabout way, but companies are free to change their terms mm. on these kind of things. And so if they're not claiming today, but they decide like later in the week like that they want to claim they're free to do that. There's nothing really stopping them. Games are tricky because they're dynamic and it's hard to like register content ID to do everything automatically. So you have to claim manually most of the time or claiming it's audio. Or if you're a Nintendo person, you probably see Nintendo audio as a claimant on your videos. Um, and so that's, I think that's why a lot of companies don't do it currently because it's not really easy to do, but there's always a possibility that it can come down the line and you have to be aware of that as a, as a gaming content creator. And I, I will say this is a question I get a lot on Twitter and conversations. A person would be like, okay, yeah, I get it. I get the copyright. How do I circumvent it? How do you I get around, don't get around it? Because yeah. then your YouTube channel will be shut down and you might be sued. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's exactly the point. It's just like you don't circumvent it. If a company says, you know, you, we can circumvent it for you or anything like that, do not follow their advice. Use, yeah, managed use status wisdom. is a very common thing that people talk about when in the space. And the point of managed status is basically to act as like a point to tell YouTube, look, we paid for the licensing for all this stuff. We have the rights to use this. And if you come to us and ask us, we can show you proof that we have those rights. And in a lot of cases, they, they don't actually have the rights to do this stuff. So it's, it's not as safe as a lot of people seem to think. It might be a great solution for the time being, uh, you know, a quick fix kind of thing, but it's definitely not the most ideal way to handle this. So, so to that point, if a person's offering that to you saying, oh, you know, either what they term to be managed status or if they offer um, saying, hey, you know, here's a way around that, 
Ask them for the documentation that showcases the relationship and the ability for you to use said content. Remember, your YouTube channel, your, you know, if it's, you know, Facebook video or if it's just live streaming on Twitch, whatever it might be, your business is your business. So you want to make sure that you're fully protected across the board because your business will last you know, till the end of time. So just make sure from the start you're playing it right. And that's why we want to make sure you play it safe. Uh, that's it from the, the question side of it. Guys, anything else? What are, what are you playing right now? I know I'm playing a lot of Overwatch. Eddie, what are you playing right now? See, I feel like, you know, like there hasn't been a lot of really crazy stuff that's come out lately. Like, you know, the, the landscape is a little bit light right now. Um, I've been playing a lot of classic stuff, as I had mentioned before. Um, I was the other day playing Jaws for the original Nintendo with my roommate. I, I don't know what compelled me to punish myself like that, but that was the thing that we were doing for a little while. And I've been playing Marvel Tsum Tsum on my, my cell phone because that came out and I'm a huge Marvel nut. But I'm super excited because uh, Dragon Quest Seven for the 3DS comes out today. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I really want to pick that up. I love like really deep RPGs, and I especially love them when I can take them on handheld devices. So uh, I'm planning to get that right after I leave the office today. I've been playing a lot of Legion. I've been playing World of Warcraft probably just before uh, Burning Crusades came out. So pretty much since vanilla. And the last few years have been kind of disappointing for me. Not terribly disappointing. I've played all the expansions. I've leveled up my character. But this one is one of the ones in the last few years that really feels like World of Warcraft. Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying questing. I would definitely level up another character. Um, the world quests are great. The whole Demon Hunter campaign, I'm still doing it. I'm still going. Um, even though some of the preparation missions take like two days to complete. I'm enjoying a lot of that stuff. The dungeons are great. I, yeah, it's it's it feels like World of Warcraft. Oh yeah, which I'm is up, really what it needed. I'm upvoting that comment. Yeah, it's, I I played a lot of that as well, and it's it feels like the original experience. Yeah. So nostalgia glass is totally on. And what's really nice is just in a few weeks, 7.1 is going to come out. And that's going to bring even more content, new raids, new dungeons, new quests, and this sort of thing. Kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Is you know it's got to keep people engaged because otherwise people would level up to 110 and then just kind of fall off the grid. No, I, I, I can't wait to play more of it and really get into raiding. That's my next stage oh, here. Yeah. Tim, what are you playing? Um, still some more like Overwatch, Yeah. as usual. Um, I actually did get to do something really cool like a week ago. I got to visit the Facebook offices, oh, and yeah. Oculus is in there now. Ooh. They own Oculus. So my buddy gave me a whole demo of Oculus, which was super fun, and it's just, it's just like scary how fast your brain accepts it as reality and it's like this is it yeah i'm in this place i'm looking down a building and my stomach turns you know like it's crazy uh, it's just i don't know i'm excited to see where it continues to go which brings up the question are we the virtual reality of somebody else totally i think that's like like <laughs> as i'm broken let's not get into like, what is, what is reality like, like that's how a is, sad reality how is when i put on this mask at, like that's real. That's reality. You know, like... Uh, now I, I live in the marble on the, the neck of a cat now. Exactly. We're, uh, a, we're a turtle's dream. Oh, oh my heavens. No. <laughs> to this day, I still have not put on any sort of VR headset. But VR, yeah. it's If you have a chance to do something like Oculus, even like silly demos, it's it's wild. No, it's really fun. It's I'm really actually crazy. like super hyped for um, PlayStation VR. Mm. I want, like I played, um, I got to play Res. And the harmonics demo and Farpoint uh, and uh, Final Fantasy, which is, you know, whatever, at uh, E3 this year. 
And um, I was not sold on VR last year. I was not, like, I didn't feel like any of the demos really did it for me. But this year, I'm, like, really feeling it. And I kind of want to get a vibe because I want to play the... Uh, the games that are coming out from Squanch Tendo, the Rick and Morty. Oh, you said that. Oh, yeah. You know, that to us and, yesterday. Uh, or something. Yeah, yeah. Accounting, I think, is the name of the game. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. I, I love absurd comedy and stuff like that, and that game just looks about as absurd as you can possibly get. So I'm thinking about getting a, a vibe, but space is a concern. And um, yeah, you need you know, twelve feet. Yeah, like like basically just a box that you can set everything up in, and, and, and it needs around. to be a safe box too. Because once you're in it, you stumble <laughs> around. No cats. And, yeah, no cats. <laughs> the cat will cause problems for you. Uh, well, I'm really curious to see where VR goes. Maybe we'll do a VR episode. Maybe we'll yeah. do a, a stream or something uh, in the office where we play some VR games and I panic again because I was playing a zombie one recently and I start flailing all over the place. I looked like uh, Reaper when he fires his ult. In it, was, it was hilarious. <laughs> he was at his desk doing this and people kept walking by and they're like, what's... John's like looking around. I kind of like picture it. I, I, I hate to make this joke, but like uh, there was a performance of the VMAs like 15 years ago of Wild Wild West yes. and Stevie Wonder was on stage and, and, got went, left. and everybody walked off the stage and they left Stevie on the piano and everybody oh. walked off stage and the whole time he's just wow. sitting there kind of just swinging his head and that's what John kind of looked like when he was playing VR the other I, I like to compare it <laughs> like more he was to in a... his own like he was in his own world just kind of like waiting for somebody to rescue him and bring, <laughs> back, bring out. Me back out I like to think I'm more like conky I just kind of here comes my flailing arms and head all over the place uh, well, that's it for this week's episode. Uh, you can follow uh, me, John, at Kawaii Guy LA. I also started streaming on YouTube Gaming, which I'm loving, and we will do a whole YouTube Gaming episode. But that's at Kawaii Guy, so strike the LA from that name. I'm on the Twitters and the Instagrams as Collectifile. I'm on Twitter as Pinsky, in some places as Iceflow Studios, but mostly Pinsky. And I'm a Bad Gamer Tim. Bad Gamer Tim. He finally got a Twitter. Finally yeah. got the Twitter account. Doesn't use it, help me. Blow it help up. Me. Follow. Tweet. Hashtag it. All right, everybody. We will see you next time. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Peace. Peace.